Welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Welcome, everybody, to Spirit Connection. I am so excited about what God's doing right now. And it's a time right now when God is moving like never before. And he's moving on women. He's moving on people outside the church, inside the church. There's so much happening right now. If you've been following my prophetic words, I've been talking about God promoting people. And sometimes the least likely people around you, there's a movement coming right now on women like never before. God's raising up women to step on the scenes and do amazing things for Jesus. And maybe you've heard the jokes, if you want to get something done, then make, you know, or you need a map or directions, you know, get a woman to help you. But it's true. God is using women to help bring direction, to help. I don't want to sound sexist at all with that, but he's raising women up right now to step in, not just as helpers here, but really to step in and help bring direction and help bring the solidity that we need for this new move that's coming right now. And God is on the move. We know the Acts 2, 17 and 18, you know, that that in the last days, God says, I'm going to raise up, put my spirit out on all flesh. And he mentioned sons and daughters, old men, young men. And then he says, the Lord says, even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit upon them and they will prophesy. And that's what we're seeing today. And so to talk about that, I've dedicated this whole episode on talking about promotion of women, and I have an amazing person with me to help bring insight and revelation to this, a guest, Amber Picota, author of the book, God's Feminist Movement, Redefining a Woman's Place from a Biblical Perspective. Welcome, Amber. Thanks so much, Doug. Glad to be here. Yeah, wow. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a wife and mother. My husband is Renee Picota, and we both do ministry together. We are the pastors of a church here in Winchester, Virginia. We have been youth pastors. We've done all kinds of ministry, and I just have a passion for teaching and preaching, writing. I really love being in God's presence and, and having a good time. Yeah. Wow. Well, sounds like it. Anybody who could do all that stuff, that's like a juggling act to do all that (laughs) and stay positive as well. Wow. So you've got this book, and believe me, some people might think it's a controversial subject, but I've read the book. I've actually endorsed the book, and I just want you to know that it's very biblical. It has such a good foundation for something that God wants to do in this area of redefining the woman's place from a biblical perspective. So tell us a little bit more about that. Why'd you write the book? Yeah, you know, even I struggled with the title and it was God who gave me the title. And I knew that he was asking me to kind of step out on a limb by using a little bit of uh, language that might not be received by everyone. But I knew if God was leading me to that, then it was going to reach the right people. But, you know, I believe there is a move of God stirring in the earth where God is stirring up the gifts and the callings within some unlikely people. 
And some of those people are, are women who have been fed really bad teaching and really bad doctrine their whole life. And what's happening is God is stirring these gifts and callings on the inside of them. And it's confusing to them because it's that conflict with the things they've been told by tradition and man-made religion their entire life. So what I see is these these beautiful people that God is calling to do something amazing in the earth, and I see this giant obstacle in front of them. And what I intend to do with God's Feminist Movement, the book, is just kind of crush that obstacle that is keeping these women that God is calling forward to lead and to, and to come out into leadership and come out into ministry and minister in that special way that he's called them. And I wanna smash the obstacles in front of them and just kind of like clear the path so that they can go ahead and, and, and begin to do what they were called to do. Wow, now that says it all, help smash the obstacles. Well, what are some of those obstacles for women? Well, some of the obstacles are bad teaching. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of misinterpreted scripture that is is made into teaching, made into doctrine that limits women from being able to speak and teach and lead in the church. And uh, some other obstacles that are standing in the way of women is also their image of themselves. So beauty, authenticity, these are some of the things. I also talk about a lot of topics in this book that tend to be misrepresented by religion and tradition within the church. So we talk about marriage relationships in the book. I'm not saying that marriage relationships are an obstacle, but some of the teachings surrounding those things can be an obstacle, as well as modesty and just topics that seem to be really warped and twisted by religion in order to control and manipulate women instead of, you know, just freeing them and, and letting them be free in Christ. Yeah. So there is like a religious spirit, so to speak, that can that can grab hold of some of these things. And these are these are actually just so people understand what the language we're using right now is that they're biblical truths that can be taken out of context or taken to an extreme. And anytime yes. you take the Bible to an extreme, that's not what God's doing right now. You know, there's lots of grace. He's given lots of latitude. He's raising people up right now like never before, like Amber's saying. And, you know, it really is an amazing time to be alive. So the old feminist movement from the 60s and 70s, it was political, right? It, it, this doesn't sound like it's political at all. Right, exactly. This feminist movement that I'm speaking about is not exactly a political movement. Now, um, I think sometimes what we believe and what God is doing ends up trickling over into politics, but that's nowhere near the topic of my book. It's, it's more about God restoring women to a place of equality in the church and coming back to the heart of the Father to raise women up and use them in leadership as he's been doing since the beginning. We can read it all throughout our Bible. Yeah, that's so true. I know. It, it, you know, it's just amazing that some of the most powerful revivalists and earth shakers, you know, world shakers were women. What were some of yours? Do you have some favorites? I do. I love Deborah. I love Junia, the apostle that's mentioned there in Scripture, and I really love Mary, the mother of Jesus. Those are some of my absolute favorite like role models in Scripture. 
Yeah. A lot of times there's a biblical context based on, you know, the culture. And the time of the Apostle Paul, the culture was different than we are today. Now, the culture is different, but we're not really changing the truths here, are we? Right. No, no, no. We're not changing the truth. And, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul gets a bad rap. You know, he gets a bad rap. But if we continue to read and take all of the letters that he wrote, he endorses women as leaders, such as Junia and uh, different women that taught and prophesied. And he exhorted women so much as well. That is exactly right. You know, Paul had a strategy. He'd go into, primarily into the synagogues first. In the book of Acts, you could read about it. He goes into the synagogues, which was male-dominant place. He goes in and releases a bomb about Jesus. (laughs) Then he siphons out some people and plants a church in people's homes. And if you do your research on that, women were often the leaders of these home churches. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is awesome. And it's it's overlooked and it's not seen. So it's just a powerful thing to understand. So anyway, how has been the response from your book from Christians in your community or even out online? Absolutely amazing. You know, when I was working with the Lord and brainstorming and coming up with this title, I had in mind that I would receive so much more criticism than I actually have What I've received is floods of emails from people saying, this changed my life. One woman wrote me an email telling me that she just got divorced. It was a horrible divorce. She was being abused physically and mentally and in ways that we don't even want to know. But she had just finalized this divorce and was ready to commit suicide because she felt like she did not have anything else to live for. And she, I tell you, after that email, I thought, you know what? I don't need to sell another book because if that was the woman I wrote this for, I'm happy. Wow. I'm getting emails from women who tell me, I wish I had read this book when I was a teenager. It would have saved me so much heartache. And I'm getting emails from Actually, this is was very surprising to me. I've received several emails and contacts from people who are, they consider themselves atheist. And I was very surprised because that is wasn't the point of me writing the book. I, I never intended to try to convince anyone to be a Christian. However, for them, one of the obstacles standing in the way of them believing that there could be a God was because of really bad teaching that taught them that God isn't for women, that God is against women, and that God isn't considering women as equals to men. And so that really caught me off guard. But I mean, I've received four different emails. So that tells wow. me that's that's quite an impact that's that- having. That's amazing, Amber. And, you know, as an outreach person, I've been an evangelist for years. And a few years ago, I was sitting on a plane and, you know, I struck up a conversation with this woman next to me. Of course, I'm prophetic, so I know something's going on with her, you know. And I had a sense that she might have been wounded by the church. She looked like she might have been really strong feminist. And I interpreted a dream for her about her sister, and, and she wept. She really did. She broke down. Then she found out I'm a Christian, and then she got mad. <laughs> but then I just did this thing, and I said, you know, can I just ask forgiveness just on behalf of all Christians for what we've done to you? That opens something up. And and what your book is doing, it's almost like it's asking forgiveness for all that's happened to people, and especially women, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. I think you're right. Wow. Yeah. It's a statement. I'm so excited 
for what's going to come out of this, the fruit that's going to come out of it, even salvation. There's so many people, so many women who are called to higher things, but they've never been given permission. And that's what we're finding out. A lot of my stuff that I do with dream interpretation and the prophetic, and we even interpret tattoos. People think it's, it's controversial, but really we're giving Christians permission to reach our culture. And with your book, we're giving women permission to reach out to the Lord. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of bad words around the topic submission. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, there sure are, you know, and um, some people might even hear rumors that I'm against submission or something. I'm actually a real huge fan of submission, you know, in Ephesians 5.22, oftentimes we hear Ephesians 5.22 all by itself. But something really interesting about Scripture is that a lot of the Scripture that we read are actually letters that were written. And although we read our Scripture with the little numbers that help us find things, so Ephesians 5.22, 5 is the chapter, 22 is the verse. And in most translations, there is a title or chapter title change in between Ephesians 5.21 and 5.22. But it's very important for us to note that this is all a part of the same letter. So some of the more modern translations, the more accurate translations, will actually have moved the title header one up, which is much more accurate. So Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then we go on to read 522, Ephesians 522, which says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So I absolutely am in favor of submission in marriage, but there's so much teaching out there that just calls for wifely submission only. And the truth be told, you know, when we're living in the kingdom of God, the family of God, we end up submitting to one another. We end up living not as a hierarchy, but as co-heirs and people who work together for a common goal for the love of God. Wow, you just struck something there. Because I've often heard the Ephesians 5 taken out of context, but what they don't realize is you got to read this, like you said, in a letter. It also says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, here's what I noticed. Wow, if you've ever seen a husband do that, you wouldn't have submission problems, first of all. I mean, you know what I mean? You wouldn't have this whole issue. Also, listen, Jesus never demanded submission. So if we're loving women as Christ loved the church, first of all, demanding submission wouldn't even be in our vocabulary. And we would be building up. And what I found in my life anyway, it just taken me years to do this. I wish I would have learned this a long time ago with my wife and my daughter and any other woman in my life is I wish I would have learned this lesson to build up, to be proud of and never tear down. And that's, boy, it is like, it just helps people so much like you would not believe. Wow. That's so valuable. Absolutely. All right. So there's challenges today, you know, for women in the business and ministry world. What are some of them? Well, some of the challenges that women face are being heard, being considered an authority on a particular topic. Many times I see women who are actually 
not treated as though what they have to say really matters. A lot of times women felt like they're not being heard and their voice is not being heard. And so really, I think some of the things that we can do in the body of Christ to kind of like correct that is to seek out not just men leaders in particular areas that we have of interest. So whether that be a certain teaching or dream interpretation or any any topic you can find, we should seek out the expertise of not just men, but also women. And sometimes I think it's a subconscious thing that we don't realize we're doing sometimes Yeah, is that maybe we were brought up to think, well, only men can do such and such. And really, we kind of have to retrain that way of thinking and realize that when we include both the male and female perspective, we get a more full picture of a topic. When we can hear women in the pulpit preaching, we get analogies and parables about childbirth and child rearing. And I mean, these beautiful symbolism comes alive that we might have been missing otherwise. That's exactly right. I love that. You know, I've been a church planter, and like you and your husband, you guys are planting a church. And one thing I've always been aware of, and maybe it was my West Coast upbringing, you know, spiritually, but I've always wanted to make sure that when people come in the door, that they're going to identify with Jesus, no matter what their background is. So I've always made sure that there was a mix of women and men, young and old, at the front. Because you could see a little girl sitting out there in in church week after week, and there's only men up front. And how does she see herself in the kingdom later on? Absolutely. You know, that's a really important point that you bring up. I know many pastors, and I have many colleagues that I consider close friends of mine. And there are some of them that in word, they say that they endorse women leading. But if you look at their staff, it's all men. And it does not send a great message to our daughters and granddaughters because they need someone to look up to. Seeing a woman as a pastor or seeing a woman as a a deacon or a, a prophet or apostle tells them, hey, I can do that, too. If God has called me to do it, I can do it, too. Yeah. And if that's too big of a hurdle for some leaders, then at least get someone up there with announcements. This is a woman. At least, (laughs) you know, on that point. We're not trying to be judgmental here, but we're just trying to open this up because I believe God's doing a pruning right now with the church. We are in a time of a John 15 pruning. That's where Jesus said that he's going to prune away the things that are no longer necessary so that we can actually bear more fruit and good fruit and new fruit. So just tell me about this. Do you see this happening as well, Amber? Oh, yes. I definitely see a pruning taking place within the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, God has really been speaking to me on a very personal level about this. One of the things that God told me recently, and and he likes to speak with me really plain. Um, He talks with me in the way that I can understand him. And the thing that he told me was that I was holding on to some things that God was trying to cut out of my life. And he revealed to me that the only reason he wanted to cut this out of my life is because he wanted to bless me with something better. So you mentioned John 15 and That is so important right now because John 15 verses one through five, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. 
And so what God highlighted to me was something I missed after all these years of reading my Bible, having read this story many, many times. What he pointed out to me was that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. So pruning isn't a punishment. It's actually a sign that we were bearing fruit. So bearing fruit is is what we want in life, in ministry, in in the day-to-day activity. We want to bear fruit. And pruning is actually a sign that we have been doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are bearing fruit. And so what God told me is that, you know, when I was a much less mature Christian, he would come and prune me and I didn't know what was happening. I would be bewildered. I would be like, what? Why is this happening? Why are these people walking out of my life? Why is this ending? And these were all things I wanted to keep because it was comfortable and it made me feel secure. But what he told me is that right now he is leading people to a place of maturity where we will know, we will begin to also know the things that need to be cut out of our life. So we will begin to see things and the Holy Spirit will begin to show us, hey, this doesn't serve a purpose in this season that I'm taking you into. And some of these things that God will highlight and and be showing us, hey, this doesn't really belong anymore. The challenge will be that some of these things may look like good churchy Christian things. And even for an outsider, it it might even seem strange for them for us to turn down something like this. But God is saying, not everything that looks good is for you in this season that you're going into. Because there are people that will hold us back with negativity and dream killers, and they're just looking to stomp any positivity out of you. Now, that doesn't mean we put people down and put them out of our lives. It just means that they don't have the same place of influence as they did in previous seasons. And, you know, God was showing me there will be even events and programs that might clutter up people's lives and deplete our energy from what God is calling us to do. And so for us to choose wisely the things that he's leading us to equip us for the work of the ministry that we're going to be doing in the next season. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. It just means that we begin to choose wisely. One of the things that God was speaking to me through is this method of cleaning out my closet. It's so funny that God loves to speak in parables and he loves to speak to us through common situations. And it might seem mundane, but he's speaking even through those situations. And so I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to clean out my closet. Now, I don't know if my husband was praying that God would ask me to clean out the closet or not, but I just felt like this urge from the Holy Spirit, it was so funny and bizarre, to clean out my closet. And as I began to clean out my closet, I just felt the Lord beginning to teach me. And I just felt the Holy Spirit right there teaching me through this situation. And what God was telling me is to check out each item and ask myself, do I love it? And does it serve a purpose? And what he was showing me is that we can partner with the Holy Spirit to prune things out of our lives that are not bringing joy and that are not serving a purpose for the season to come that God is leading us into. That way, our life is not so cluttered up with things that don't matter just so that we can feel like we have stuff. 
whether it be physical or whether this be a symbolic act of removing items and things that are taking our time away from the ministry that God has called us to do. And so I would just encourage people to begin to partner with the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit what is is for this season and what is meant to be pruned out of our lives because we can grow and mature and partner with God through this pruning process and and reject the things that we need to let go of in the season to come. Yeah, that is so powerful. I love the metaphor of cleaning out a closet. I need to do that myself, and (laughs) God will help you sort things. What you just said, really, it was a modern-day parable for pruning, and it's not punishment. You're exactly right. I love that. Wow. That is so powerful. I love the simplicity that you tell when you when you speak. And so right now, what what advice would you give to woman who you know, they're recognizing they want to use their leadership gifts, but maybe they're in a situation in a home or a church where female leadership is frowned upon? I would tell them to start wherever you're at. Start with whatever you can put your hand to do. And so start with where you already have influence. And that might be with your children. It might not be in the church right away. It might be that you start a home group. It might be that you begin to minister to your neighbors and pray for them. I would really encourage them to just be faithful with what they have in front of them because they might not realize it, but they already have an influence of some kind on someone and they can begin to pray and ask God to show them new opportunities. Maybe they open up a Bible study at a local coffee shop. You know, God will show them what they can do if they will just begin to look around them, go ahead and serve and have influence in the sphere of influence that they already have. And he or she, who is faithful with little, can be entrusted with more. Wow, that's really, really good. So you were talking about children there, and you have children, right? How many children do you have? I do. I have three beautiful, they're not babies anymore. They are seven, eight, and 11, but they're my babies. Yeah. So do you have daughters, I assume? I do. I have what two would you daughters. Say, what would you say to your daughters to understand when they read this book? I would tell them that they can do anything that God has called them to do. And I would tell them to not wait around for permission and approval from people to do what God has called them to do. I would tell them that their value and their calling is not dependent on what people say and the approval of, of humans. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. I'm really proud of you. I'm a, I'm a trailblazer. You're a fellow trailblazer. I know that you've taken some stripes and some blows for this uh, as you were developing it. And it was amazing that, you know, uh, got the book published and got it out there. And Patricia King actually uh, did the forward on that, right? Yes, she is such a role model to me, and I was I was very honored. Yeah, very I, honored. I saw your interview on XP Media, and so you want to... You could Google Amber's name, Amber Picota, P-I-C-O-T-A. That's her website, amberpicota.com. You can Google that interview, Patricia King and Amber Picota, and it's an amazing interview, and you'll be able to see Amber and listen to that. Plus, Patricia's really behind what she's doing. I'm really behind what she's doing. I believe God's doing something new right now, 
and it's going to break forth this year. This is going to open the door. I believe your book, Amber, is not just a book that's going to help women recognize you know, who they are, but it's also going to help usher in a new move of God because it's, I just know that as women step up and as men embrace and do, it's not just about a woman thing or it's not just about a men thing. It's about a kingdom thing. And it's about the family of God. And the kingdom is going to expand over this. And I feel really strong and powerful move that's coming out of this. So, Amber, can you just pray and activate your message over our listeners? Absolutely. Father, I just come to you today and I just speak over the hearts of everyone listening to this podcast today. And God, I just pray that you would begin to stir them up, stir them up inside their spirit. And God, I pray that you would just stir up new gifts and callings within them, gifts they don't even know they have yet, Father. God, I pray that you would give men a boldness and a confidence to be able to exhort women and to support the women that are called to lead as well, Lord God. I just pray that you would give them a bravery and a boldness to to do that as well, God. And I pray that, Lord, you would begin to speak to the women that you are calling into ministry in this hour. And God, that you would begin to make what you're saying, you're calling what you have for them, I be, I pray that you would begin to make it so clear, God. I ask that you would visit them in their dreams, Lord God, that it would be so clear what they're called to do in this season. God, I ask that you would send support. I pray that you would send people into the lives of women who don't feel that they have any support, some people who would call out the gold in them, people who are not afraid of being outshined, that they would be able to come and just pour into their lives and just lift them up and teach them about how awesome they are to you, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would just bless every person listening to this and just bless their households with so much joy. They cannot contain it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, that was powerful. Well, we've been listening to an interview with Amber Pakoda. She's the author of the book, God's Feminist Movement, Redefining a Woman's Place from a Biblical Perspective. I want you to go out and get the book, amberpricota.com, P-I-C-O-T-A. Share it with some friends. Also, consider sharing this podcast out on social media so this message will get out there because you know people hear the title or something like that and they might shy away. But once they hear the heart, once they hear the Lord speaking, we know God's doing something new in this season. So just want to say thanks so much, Amber, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. It was really an honor and a joy. And to all of our listeners, you can go to my website, DougAddison.com. Follow me on Facebook, The Doug Addison, Twitter and Instagram, Doug T. Addison. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com.